thank you, Jake and Julia. Welcome, everyone, to the podcast. Uh, we are your hosts, Wally Smith, and what is your name, sir? My name is John Robinson. Mr. Robinson. So, we have a Bible question for you. This Bible question is another question made by a real-life teen, but I have a, it's a special circumstance in this case. I'll explain after I ask the question. So, our question this time, Mr. Robinson, is, if scientists created a pig that chewed the cud, would it be clean to eat? Now, while you're pondering the cosmic depths of that question, uh, Mr. Robinson, let me explain my personal relationship to this question. Way back, go back a long time ago, uh, a teen camp years and years and years ago, uh, another minister and I were doing kind of a tag team teen Bible study uh, session. In fact, it might have been actually the one we did at the feast. I can't recall, but I know the minister. I won't say his name. It rhymed with Schmil Schmena. And uh, he and I were doing this teen Bible study, and we took questions from the kids. And it was wonderful. We had a ton of questions. We had more questions than we needed. So we pared it down to a small subset of questions. And this was one of the questions that I dismissed. I just thought, oh, this, this kid's just trying to be funny, right? Well, come to find out, I find out years later from my son, who is no longer a teen and has not been one for years, that that was actually his question. And he was truly disappointed that we did not address it because he was sincerely wondering. That is, he says, you look at the Bible, you look at what it says, which we'll talk about in a minute. And, and, and how do you think through something like that? Like if someone asked him. So this is my opportunity to repent. It is a question from a teenager but someone, you know, kind of backwards in time was a teenager. So let me repeat the question now that I've babbled on about where it comes from. If scientists created a pig that chewed the cud, would it be clean to eat? Mr. Robinson, what do you think? You know, you you told me you wanted to cover this topic and I had forgotten this was on the list. And I'll admit, initially, I may have slightly rolled my eyes. <laughs> but as I learned when I was when I was learning how to speak and I was doing sermonettes and uh ironically that same pastor whose name rhymes with Schmil Schmena had presented many of the, the men uh, in his area with a a a list of um sermonette topics because right. you know guys can make mistakes about their topics. It's uh, topics are more difficult to, to choose than you would think. Right. And I found in general that if I read one of the titles or one of the questions or one of the topics and I could answer it with one word, it actually was an interesting topic. Hmm. So it's like, did Christ do such and such? And I would go, no, you know, and, and this one actually ended up being the same because the more I thought about it, the more this actually is a good job jumping off point truly for, for, um, a, some deeper concepts, you know, has something that's been created. Could it be modified? You know, because in, in Leviticus 11, which we'll go into here in just a minute, there's a classification of clean and unclean things. So mm -hmm. the question, if you kind of back up a little bit, is more like, can we modify something that is designated as unclean to be clean? Right. Right. So thank you. That's validating. Well, it's validating, but also condemning of older or younger me who just dismissed this question. Uh, so I, I would have dismissed it as well. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you cracked my, are you sure you cracked my code? Schmil Schmena? That really could be a completely <laughs> different minister. Let me, let me go ahead and read the passage in Leviticus that applies. Leviticus 11, if for those of our listeners who aren't aware, that is sort of a go-to chapter for understanding what animals are clean or unclean. And I'll start in verse 
1. It says in Leviticus 11, verse 1, Now the Eternal spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying to them, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, These are the animals which you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. Among the animals, whatever divides the hoof, having cloven hooves, and chewing the cud, that you may eat. Uh, so it has to have both cloven hooves and it has to chew the cud. And if you don't know what chewing the cud is, there are animals that if they, they say they graze or they eat grass or something, they're able to, it's, it's just a beautiful idea, able to bring it from their stomachs back into their mouths and then chew it again. Uh, ruminants do that like deer and cows. Uh, okay. That said, so we have cloven hooves and chewing the cud. I guess the question kind of gives it away. I was going to quiz you, Mr. Robinson. Which of these does the pig not satisfy? I believe the pig does not chew the cud. And that's actually, actually, if you know anything about the anatomy of a pig, the, the answer is pretty quick. Um, in fact, I think pigs are often used as test animals for human things because in some ways the physiology is, is similar to humans. So I think one stomach, they chew, I think they digest stuff really fast. It's not, it's not, very efficient. And then, then what they digest turns into meat really fast. Right. I don't chew the cut, for instance. I'm not sure if you do. Uh, just two or three times. It was an accident. <laughs> it didn't last. I might, I might eat at some places and feel like I'm digesting it all night, but no, exactly. So, all right. So pigs do not chew the cud. They do have cloven hooves, however. So that's the question. Uh, like, for instance, a cow uh, has cloven hooves and chews the cud. A horse does not have cloven hooves, but as we actually looked before this, also does not chew the cud. However, there is an animal, for example, that chews the cud but doesn't have cloven hooves. What was the animal we found? Uh, the camel. Oh, the camel. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly, the camel. All right. And it had three stomachs. I did. In fact, you know what? If we just read Leviticus 11 and verse 4, we'd see that it mentions the camel. Uh, so go yeah. figure. So the Bible has we the should, answers. Let us start digging into the Bible, Mr. Smith. You know, we just committed one of the biggest mistakes people make. We looked at the internet before we looked at the yes. Bible. We should have oh, done that's that. that's true. It's true. All right. So uh, so what are your thoughts about that? You know what? I have a, I, I have a couple of thoughts about it. <clears throat> one, as I was doing a little show prep, that's, you know, that's what we do in the business. You sound so professional <laughs> when you say that. Uh, I was One of the things I was struck by was, actually how long Leviticus chapter 11 is. And so there, so God goes into quite a bit of detail on this topic. And so one of the questions I've learned to ask myself over the years is when, when, you know, the Bible can't be unlimited, right? God's communicating with us and has to be in such a way that it could, it could be preserved in one book. I mean, that's kind of an oversimplification, but when I've just learned to take note of when the Bible goes into detail on something. And I think there's a very important concept at work here uh, that gets lost sometimes in the idea of clean and unclean. It's just like, oh, this is what clean and unclean meats. That's what you eat or not what you eat. And I think that's a, it's an oversimplification because when you get to the end of the chapter, there starts to, uh, you know, God brings in what the deeper principle is. And you get down to the end of the chapter and it says to distinguish between the clean the unclean and the clean and between animals that may be eaten and animals that may not be eaten. And then again, at, at the end of the chapter, this emphasis on being holy as God is holy. And so that's the bigger principle. So just, you know, as I think about it, it the clean and unclean concept, it's, so what has God done? You know, we, we act out many spiritual concepts. You know, I, the one my go-to for that is, is deleavening. We, we go through a process where we go through our house, we determine what's leavened and what's unleavened, and we remove the unleavened items. The same kind of concept is going on here to me, which is every day, 
Now, obviously, once you <clears throat> get into the habit of it, you don't think about this so much. But every day, whether we think about it or not, we make a distinction about what we're putting into our bodies. Mm-hmm. And we're mm-hmm. avoiding things that God has defined as unclean that defile us. Right. And we prioritize things that are clean. And that's we're literally putting that into our body to be digested. And so when you look at it from that perspective, I think you start to get a clearer picture of would this kind of thing work? Can you take something that's that's designated by God as unclean and and make it clean? There's there's right. other principles here, but that's my initial thoughts. All this really touches on something. I, I I tried to look for the sermon right before we recorded this, and I wish I could find it, and I was not able to find it. I, if Mr. Ames were here, I could ask him. I bet he could tell me immediately because he he seems to keep all these things in mind. Mr. Weston gave a sermon. Well, I don't know. It was more than a year ago, I think. Yeah, yeah, because we we're still meeting in Weddington here in Charlotte about how it's so tempting to just try to look at the laws and start asking very picky questions about what am I allowed to do or not allowed to do or this or that as opposed to trying to see this larger picture. And, you know, I had this verse queued up to mention and you really nailed it. You referred to it directly uh, towards the end of Leviticus 11, Leviticus 11 and verse 44 where God says, for I am the eternal, your God, you shall therefore consecrate yourselves. You shall be holy for I am holy. This idea that what's the, what are you trying to teach? He's trying to teach you to consider yourself something separate. Consider yourself like, like me, where you you don't want to, to spoil yourselves or your, or your bodies or, or ignore these things that I've given you. I'm trying to teach you how to be a separate people. Dr. O'Neill would, would surely highlight, uh, given that he talks about this so much in his book, that if there's something in a pig that is making you sick, if there's something that's not designed for the human body, do you really think that just changing its stomachs somehow is going to change that, is going to make a big difference in that? Is it going to make it healthier? And I think that's that's a worthwhile point. There's a lot of things that they do in the world to try to make some things that are that are fundamentally unhealthy, make them seem like they are, and, and some of those things are questionable. But in this particular case, going further, there's still the, it is a technical question that this brilliant young person, a little self-serving there. What does their name rhyme with? I, <laughs> uh, it said that, you know, would it be clean? Because God is giving you the very specific definition of what is clean. He's saying, look, if it divides the hoof and it chews the cud, then it's clean. And he's saying, what if they were able to, say, modify a pig that chews the cud and is clean. But I'd have to say the law has always been administered. God never gave us the law as an excuse to turn our brains off. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. People use their brains to justify disobeying the law, but God never meant us to completely turn our brains off with the law. Frankly, he wants us to engage with the law and to think about it. Frankly, what my what my kid was doing when he asked the question for instance, well, we say genetic engineering as if that would completely reshape the animal. But if you're going to get that technical, if you're going to try to look at the words and use the words as excuses more than than true and sincere guides to life, well, forget genetic engineering. What if you just took a pig and literally replaced its feet? We can do we can do transplants, right? You you sedate the pig. We want to be merciful. Then you cut off its feet. <laughs> Wait, no, it's not just feet. It's the stomach in this case. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me switch to a camel because I want to talk about feet. Okay. So say we took a camel that already chews the cud. Added one more stomach. <laughs> That's right. Make it four. Well, they didn't count stomachs. That's not part of the rules. And we we cut off its feet under sedation. And we literally pull off a transplant somehow. We've, we, we're able to make it a genetic match in some kind of way. No extra drugs. And we give it 
cow feet, as ridiculous as that sounds. Do we think we've fundamentally changed the animal in any kind of way? You know, has it actually turned this? No. What we've done is given an unclean animal uh, feet, the feet of a clean animal. That's all we've really done. We haven't changed the animal. Uh, same thing with the pig. If we somehow changed its stomach and, and we we gave it some sort of uh, shocks or something that would force it to chew material that it's already chewed before. So, oh, good, it's chewing cud now. I can eat it. Well, there's the, the technical principle, but beyond, behind all of this is the principle of really what Jesus Christ did say is what comes out of a man. Are you lusting after this animal so much in terms of eating its flesh and wanting to taste flesh that you know deep down is something that was designed that's forbidden for you such that you're looking for every excuse to be able to devour this animal that all you need is just someone to say, hey, they've produced a new kind of hog that has been engineered to be able to chew the cut. Oh, great. I can't wait. I've been longing to eat pork bacon my whole life. Um, I would say there's a real issue there. It, it reminds me of the verse that I thought of was, well, it's repeated twice in different, slightly different forms. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12, all things are lawful for me. And we don't get into the difficult scripture aspect. He's speaking of a certain kind of sloganeering uh, mentality they had about the things they were free to do under the law in Corinth. All things may be lawful for me, he's saying. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And then similar later in the book, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. If you're talking about going through these strange machinations to create an animal that, take an unclean animal and make it seem clean so you can eat it, are you? Are you really fulfilling the purpose of the law? Are you really fulfilling the spirit of the law where God says, I designed the animals. Some are good for food. Some are not. Don't eat those. I take it one step further, Mr. Smith. Let's say you took a man and you gave him hormone blockers and had a couple of different medical procedures done so that it mimicked a woman. Mm. Would it be a woman? Wow. Uh, that's a that's a drop the mic. I'm not going to drop the mic because that would break our mic. I mean, just that's a good point. From, from what I understand, uh, just on a biological level, absolutely not. I mean, it's it's our gender is so coded into us; it's in the chromosomes. And so that uh, that's just there's just things start thinking of other analogies about well, if we did this to this, would it become this other thing? Right. And yeah, I, I would say point. no. I have a couple scriptures, Mr. Smith. Sure. What you have Bible scriptures too? That's crazy. So one of the reasons that this topic was interesting to me as I as I started to really think through it was the idea of taking something in one state and that we could put it in another state. And it started making – and this is why I think the idea of clean and unclean meats, people tend we – can, we can tend to oversimplify it and forget right. the larger spiritual ramifications. I'll never forget my wife uh, and I being at the Vatican in Rome. That's the only time we, we were in – I guess we've been in Rome twice, technically, but flexing on everybody with having been to, been, been to Rome. <laughs> we were at the Vatican, and my wife overheard one of the – he was clearly Italian, um, speaking to an English group. And somebody asked the Italian guide and said, well, what about all these 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 images and on this location, all these things? Didn't these used to be pagan? He said, oh, yes, yes, these all used to be pagan, but we conquered them. And now they are Christian. 
You just think about the implication of can you take pagan holidays and rehabilitate them and make them and sanitize them and make them Christian? Right. Well, the Bible would be pretty, pretty clear on that. That in fact, there's a number of scriptures you could go to about that. And Deuteronomy has some good ones. But here's one of the ones I thought was, was really good. And there's a couple like this. Uh, in, in Haggai, Haggai 2, 12 and 13, there's this concept of, you know, this question is asked. If one carries holy meat in the fold of, in the fold of his garment, and it's interesting that it's meat too, mm-hmm. uh, and with the edge touches bread or stew, wine or oil or any food, will it become holy? Then the priest answered and said, no. And Haggai, Haggai said, if one who is unclean because of a dead body touches any of these, will it be unclean? So the priest answered and said, it shall be unclean. Mm. You might also reference um, Proverbs 20 and verse 9. Who can say, I have made my heart clean. I am pure from my sin. Only God can um, set things aside. Can, you know, once a, the clean condition is set, Right. Make some set something apart as holy, but humans we can't we can't do that. We're incapable of that. I think I had another scriptural reference about that, but that was kind of my my line of thinking with this as I fleshed it out and why I thought. Well, in fact, I don't even want to minimize the question at all because, like to me, it's you know on the surface it kind of sounded like just a fun question, right, right? But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, no, there's actually a lot to it if you really think through it, and the answers really do lie in the Bible when you understand the larger right. concepts. No, I, I appreciate you pointing that out because that's part of what I think you and I enjoy uh, these kind of discussions is something can seem rather frivolous, but it's in the discussion of these things that you actually start to bring out important points. When it comes to this, one of the thoughts that that crossed my mind, because part of what's interesting is you have someone who say is trying to look to the law to say, what does the law say about this animal? Is it clean or unclean? And can I eat it since it's been you know messed with? And to me, what an interesting example, because the Pharisees, I think, did something similar with Christ when they asked him about divorce. They were trying to solve a particular situation, mm, right, right? And right. trying to come to an understanding where there's controversy. And they say, hey, you know, what should we do? Can you divorce a woman just for any reason? Or does it got to be something specific? What was the law? And Jesus Christ surprised them by pointing out that actually it's you're trying to use the technicalities of the law to achieve a certain end. And you're not looking at the broader picture of what God intended with these things in the first place. He pointed out to them, and I I can read from Matthew chapter uh, 19, where he said, don't divorce, right? Under Jesus Christ, the the reasons for... uh, uh, biblical divorce, if you will, or the biblically allowed reasons for divorce are remarkably narrow. There just are not many. And it shocked them for him to say, no, God made them one flesh. What God has put together, let no man separate. And so they asked in Matthew 19, verse 7, they said to him, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? And they're referring to in the Old Testament where God did allow them to give certificates of divorce. And in verse 8, he said to them, Jesus responded, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning, it was not so. That is, God didn't create marriage Mm -hmm. for this kind of end. There was a certain allowance for you. So, I mean, if, if... if death were the only way out of marriage in an ancient carnal world, there would have been a lot more murders. But that's not what his intention. Go look at the purpose. And so to me, that's part of what this brings up. You might have an animal that you could say, like say a stranger comes across this pig 
and is never and maybe he has never seen a pig before and has no idea and and sees this animal and says, "Well, does it chew the cud? Uh, does it have uh, cloven hooves? Okay, well, I can eat it." And he might eat it in innocence. He might biologically suffer for it. But in his heart, he has a sin. He doesn't really know. But for those of us who understand, no, this is a pig that scientists have modified, maybe in mockery of our laws, right, to try to, to make some point. Well, are you using the law as an excuse to do something you want? Are you looking at God's broader purpose? And the fact is, this is an animal that God has created as unclean. And like the examples you're giving, if man is using his techniques to try to cheat God's law, on a technicality, you still have the responsibility before God to ask yourself, why am I wanting to do this? And, you know, we see this, I know you do too, in terms of counseling teenagers, uh, working with young people, where there's kind of this this question about a legality of mm-hmm. some sort. And I know the exact same minister, Mr. Schmil Schmena, now I can't remember how I messed with his name, <laughs> used to make that same point in the Bible studies that we did with with teens, where he would point out, Okay, what's your real motive in this, right? I mean, look at your heart and examine that. What are you trying to accomplish? Because that's where you're going to be defiled or not, really, in those things, going back to that verse. I think I think we can wrap this one up. What do you think? I think we can. I'll, I'll leave. I'm very, very short for, in the book of Job. This is All actually right. pretty good. I'm, I'm glad I almost forgot See that. us out on okay. a good verse. That sounds Proverbs, I'm oh, sorry, uh, Job 14.4. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? No one. What? We didn't will, even need this whole podcast. We I will freely that. <laughs> admit that I did not even think of that verse. I think you win the, uh, you win, it's like an achievement badge. I think you just unlocked an achievement. Shoot, I'm going to simulate the sound of dropping the mic. <laughs> <laughs> that, okay, we should have cut him off at the verse, but we'll, we'll take that. All right. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for listening. And we hope, hope you have a great rest of the day, rest of the week, whatever may apply. Super. I'm